What is up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of Bikini Things. You got your girl, Laura, here in the home studio. So welcome to video, my loves. This is my home office where I've been recording my episodes for about the last three years. Every so often it is downstairs at the kitchen table and there is a full physical location on the way. I actually just got some cool signage in the mail last week. So I'm very excited for some updates, some announcements, and to really bring it back. This year has been fun. It's been a whirlwind, and I've had so much fun bringing you guys regular content on YouTube, and I've been very consistent with that, which I'm happy about. But the podcast has not had the consistency since its inception back in 2018, and the goal is to get it back there. Bikini Things was one of the original bikini podcasts, and while there are many of them now, which is awesome and amazing... I still feel like my vantage point, my perspective and the information I bring you ladies or you listeners has its own unique spin. And I just can't wait to bring it back, bring the consistency and really make it better than ever. So let's jump right in. It's going to be my reverse update, which is very tardy, as well as talking about how to just absolutely crush an off season. So I'm looking at my notes here. So bear with me a little bit. When I have guests, I do a, an outline. I have topics, questions. I feel so much more savvy navigating those conversations when it's me just talking into the mic. At times, I feel like I can ramble a little bit or lose my train of thought. But podcasting, it's ultimately like a muscle and I've been out of practice for a while. So we're going to get that muscle memory back, you guys. And keep it going. So the reverse at this point is basically over. We're 90% over. And this is now like the fourth time I've tried to record this episode. I recorded it a few times. I didn't like what I had to say. I didn't like how it came together. And despite some editing, I just did not feel happy with what I was putting out. And overall too, I'm in a much better headspace now that I'm reversed. This year has been a hard year, you guys. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for me. Just to keep it very high level, every aspect of my life this year has not gone how I wanted. And it is what it is. It's not for lack of effort or lack of trying, but, you know, financially, career-wise, competing, personally, literally nothing has gone how I wanted. I have this whole printout. I had it, I had it back there. I have my whole list of 2023 goals. And almost none of them are done, which again is not for lack of effort, but just the way the year came together, it really was not my year. And I hate to say that because I am such a focused person and I really believe that whatever you will into existence, you can absolutely create. And the things I wanted for myself and the things that I wanted to achieve did not materialize. And, you know, my, how do I put this? My Achilles heel is that I am a very achievement focused person. I know this well enough about myself. And I'd say this not for any pity or to sound like a victim, but I really growing up, I really had to earn my parents love. They did not accept me. They did not just love me for me. I really had to earn it. And so the kind of one or two scenarios can happen when you have that, that situation is either you can have a person who completely rebels, becomes a degenerate, might start doing drugs, might get pregnant really early and just kind of throw their life away, or you have someone who really thrives under that type of pressure and becomes an overachiever to the point where they are not happy unless they're achieving things, which is me right here. So 
so again, one of the things I've had to learn as an adult is to unpack or, you know, untie my self-esteem with achievement. And so even though I know this about myself, not having achieved any of my big goals at all this year, it really hurt. And I think when I went into my season, so I did four shows in a row and I'll get, I'll get into that more. When I did four shows in a row, we're coming up on August, early September. My year has kind of shaped up. I kind of know where the trajectory is headed. And for those of you that have competed, you know, and especially at the pro level, when you're that deep into it, it's, it can be all consuming. Like I had enough brain power, time, energy to do what I needed to do for my prep, to check in on my clients, take care of them. And that was really it. Like there's no other time or brain power available. And so I kind of knew where my year would probably end up given the timing of everything and competing for me became this like last ditch effort, this hail Mary, that if I could just qualify for Olympia, if I could just place top five at a show, it would make up for all the misfortune or perceived misfortune or disappointments that I'd had through the entire year. And I put all my hopes in this basket of competing. And even though I know it was my best physique yet, I know it was my best look yet. And I made so many improvements in my off season. I did not achieve what I wanted competing either. While I really believed in myself and I thought I had a shot to qualify for Olympia. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. I think, however, I did let myself catch expectations. You know, how, how we say in, in modern times, you shouldn't catch feelings. Well, I should know enough by now, but I let myself catch expectations. And, and though I wasn't expecting necessarily to qualify for Olympia, I believe that I could. I think I definitely expected that I would place top five at at least one show. And when I did not do that, it was heartbreaking, like really heartbreaking. And I'm going to, I'm going to do this without getting emotional, you guys. Um, <clears throat> some of the more rough feedback that I got, which I've never received before too. And I think I'm still wrapping my head around how to handle it was basically just that you're too tall. Like one of the judges would not tell me, but Jamie, my coach, who's amazing, she really pressed them after one of my shows to kind of, you know, get a little aggressive and say, no, really, like, why is Laura placing where she is? She's matching up to girls that are Olympians and are placing top. If you look at these photos, like what's what's the deal here? And they basically just said that, you know, my torso is a little long. Um, I'm a little too tall. So while that was hard to hear, I think it also just means that I need a lot more muscle tissue too. So I'm choosing to look at it that way. I'm choosing to look at my season as I'm the, I am the top currently top placing six foot tall bikini pro out there. There's not, there's not very many of us to begin with. And I have beaten athletes that have qualified for Olympia. I've gotten in the first call outs before. Have I placed top five? No. And believe me, that eats me inside. And that keeps me working hard. So I know that this year will be a great off season and next year will be even better. And I am really out to shock people and pardon, let's, let's turn this off and really prove a lot of people wrong. If I'm being honest, because I feel like so many of the judges and people in the industry and my fellow, some of my fellow athletes really doubt me and see my see my physique see my progression and doubt me and and the reality is while i cannot i can no longer claim to be a natural athlete i'm very minimal with any of the you know peds 
anything like that. And so I really feel like my potential is just barely getting tapped into at this point. Um, so I'm going to put a pin in that. Let's, let's talk a little bit more specifically about the shows. And, and so in the reverse, I really did want to share it with all of you more and show it. And this is, this was my eighth reverse. And I would say now in hindsight, six of my eight reverses were like picture perfect, like just, you know, A++, overachiever, gold star, however you want to look at it. And my first year as a pro 2021, when I was injured and my mom was having health issues and I did not do well in any of my shows, I got last calls every single show, actually every single show except for one, I was so sad and I just ordered I was getting so food focused I was so hungry I was so just tired I did four shows not back to back but in six weeks I was hungry I was exhausted I got food focused which I hadn't been since my first year competing and I ordered like every single type of cookie in existence to the point where I was eating cookies you know having the munchies late night with a little bit of Mary Jane and it got to the point where I had so many cookie orders that I was getting full boxes of them and just like giving them away not even opening them, throwing them out because my body was just so inflamed and so upset. So that was the year I went crazy. But luckily for me, I'm an ectomorph. I gained about 15 pounds rapidly after my show, which is typically about where I sit. And as soon as I changed my eating habits, my body dropped all the inflammation and it sat right around 10 to 15%, 10 to 15 pounds above my stage weight, which again is very reasonable, especially as someone six feet tall. So this this was not like that, but I definitely let myself eat, definitely have been adjusting my habits with cannabis and all that. And I'm really proud of myself because I have enough enough traumatic issues in my past. I, I will touch on this more in a mental health issue, but I had you know an abusive childhood. I had an incident of sexual assault on a high school class trip. And I, you know, for better or for worse, I have a little bit of PTSD that I, I work through and I work with a therapist, but um, cannabis for like nine years has been something that's helped me get to sleep. And it's something that I feel like can also be counterproductive. So I've really stepped down my use of that. So through my reverse, that is never helpful for eating, especially when you're not restricted like you are in prep. So I was letting myself eat, letting myself snack. I was still training hard, still doing cardio. And by the time I finished my season, my cardio was as high as 75 minutes at one point, which is the most I've ever done ever. It came down to about 45. So by my last show, Iron Games, I was down to 45 minutes a day, which was great. And so I kind of kept it there for a while because I knew I was eating a lot. I wanted to keep my metabolism up. And so I've just tapered it down from there. So now my cardio, I'm typically getting in, I would say about 150 minutes a week on average. So split up, split that up over about six days a week. Um, so some days it's a little bit higher, um, but again, not nothing crazy. So Jamie, Jamie would like me to do six days of 30 minutes and I am doing my best to comply with that because for a while I just, I went radio silent. I was very ashamed. I did not want to talk to her, um, not because of anything she did, but because I was just so embarrassed of my lack of emotional dysregulation and, um, I don't know. I don't know. So at some point, I just kind of made up my mind that I have to focus on the positives and start focusing on next year and be okay with the fact that my season went the way it went. And sometimes you guys, like I've lost so many times competing 
And that's the reality too, is usually as competitors, we lose so many more times than we will ever win. So at some point I just, you know, I'm very, I'm very stubborn too, for, for better or for worse. I know myself, I know my qualities and I was stubborn enough to decide that, okay, no more pity party or, and it's not like every day was a pity party. I think I would have some days where I was good. And then some days where I was just really down and really sad. And I got to a point where I'm like, okay, we cannot live like this anymore. We cannot live like this. Yes, the competition season did not go well. No, we cannot go back and change the past. But what we can do is focus on moving forward and making it absolutely the best improvement season possible and just march forward, right? That's all we can do in life, you guys. We have hard times. We have something that doesn't go our way. You can't just sit in it. You can't just sit in it. And even... You know, even even on the days where I felt or horrible, I did not stop working out. I did not stop doing cardio. I did not stop logging my food. I just would log my food. And if I ate like a monster, being a little facetious here, um, but yeah, if I ate like a monster, I would have to look at that in my fitness pal and be like, wow, Laura, you really ate, you know, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 calories yesterday. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> no wonder your stomach feels a little upset today. Um, but also too, and yeah, like a monster. However, I would caveat that and say, I am one and a half times the size of an average bikini competitor on stage. I'm about 150, low 150s. And right now my weight is typically sitting around 165, which is pretty typical. So maybe as high as like 167, 170, but not often. Usually my weight has been pretty stable in about 160 to 165, all things considered. So, you know, a few things too, that I think also played into it was, um, you know, I just was really embarrassed that my reverse wasn't perfect. Six of the eight reverses were perfect. Last year was perfect. You know, when I started with Jamie, I stayed so lean forever. I stayed really, really lean up until I got this gnarly sinus infection that I did not get treated for, for a long time. And I just, you know, my metabolism was great. My body was lean and tight and my cardio was low and just everything was going perfect. And I was so embarrassed too, not just that the season didn't go well, but that I wasn't reversing perfectly. And I was so embarrassed to share that. And I guess really just what I want to express is that us pros, we're not perfect just because we're pro or just because we've, if we've won a pro show or we've made it to the Olympia, that does not mean that we're perfect people. We still have ups and downs. We still have things we might want to change in our lives. We probably have a lot of things in our lives we want to change. We're still human. Like as much as we look at people we like on Instagram and we put them on a pedestal, just remember that we're all still human, even, you know, celebrities, all that. We're all still human. We all still have the same negative emotions, the same ups and downs. And one thing too, that happened during my prep is about a month before my shows, I had a breakup with the person I was dating and not that it was such a long-term relationship, but we really were trying to plan our lives together. And the relationship was hard on me because ultimately he just was not willing to be supportive with his actions. He loved how I looked. He loved the fact that he was dating this tall bikini competitor. And it it was really weighing on me. And so actually, I think it was fairly smooth. But then afterwards he came back into my life and was trying to pick things back up. And that I think just added to my confusion and emotional turmoil a little bit. And the last thing that I'll touch on, and then we'll move on 
um, was just that I made a lot of really rookie mistakes this year. Doing so many shows back to back, I don't think was a good idea. I think my body can flatten out really quickly because I am so tall and so long. And also too, because the shows were so quick, like there was one two week period where we threw in the show in South Carolina and I didn't even come home for weeks. I was lucky enough that my dog sitter could keep my dog Frankie for an extra week. And so I'm, you know, living out of a suitcase, being very reactive. And when you're also that depleted and that tired, I feel like your, your brain power is just not as good as it is when you're well-fed and super well-rested and not overtraining and not overdoing your cardio. And so a lot of rookie mistakes happen. Like three of my four shows, basically the first three, I had these spots on my butt that I've never really had before. And it might've just been the additional cardio or the fact that I was maybe leaner than I have been in the past or whatnot, or just that I do so much sitting at this desk here, checking in with my clients and, and working and whatnot. But I started to get these brown spots on my butt that you could see through the tan. So it just looked awful. Like it looked like I had splotches on my butt or I'd sat in something or, you know, I'd gotten my tan and then went and sat on the toilet. Like it looked so bad, you guys. And it was only until my very last show that I got a tan where it did not show. And I even bought this ridiculous cushion pillow for people with tailbone surgery to sit on because Jamie was saying that my tailbone was pressing on my butt and that's what's creating it. So that was just a whole mess. And then also two of the four shows, my hair was a disaster. So my first show with V, the hair and makeup Tahoe was flawless. It was so gorgeous. I don't know if I've ever felt so pretty and it just looked beautiful. And I tried to replicate that the next two shows, but ultimately what I think I learned with my hair is it's it's naturally not really textured like this. So if you're on audio, apologies, but it's not naturally straight like this. It's curly, it's frizzy, it's fine, it's very difficult to work with. And even styled sometimes if it gets humid, it will start revert reverting back to its old tendencies of being curly, frizzy, humid, all that. Um, and so the two middle shows, Nashville and Clash, my hair was just a disaster. It just looked bad. And at the pro level, that really makes a difference. So even though the makeup was fine, and especially for Clash, I feel like my body was on point. I think Nashville, I was a little too over dieted. And that was some of the feedback. I, that was some of the feedback I received. Clash, my body was on point. But the hair and the tan were just awful. Um, I also was having an issue opening up my right lat. I really needed a lot more body work and a lot of tissue work that I was not getting. And especially doing all those shows back to back, you have to be careful. You can't really do that much body work. So it was just, especially, you know, really intensive. So there's a lot that I learned this year and I'm going to carry that forward with me. And, and the last thing that I'll, I'll touch on too, and I'll circle back later in the episode, but this will be more topics, more, more things coming up is just that. Ultimately, too, I was getting a little bit sad, I think, because bikini, from my perspective, has changed quite a bit, and it's changed rapidly in the last few years. I've never seen so many women in the division, both pro, Olympians, and amateurs, with visible signs of facial masculinization. And while that, for me, is kind of a hard line in the sand, like I don't want my I don't want my face to change by being a bodybuilder, and um. I do recognize that I probably have to be more aggressive in that area if I want to move up in the pro league and in the placings and how I'm looking. And so that's more of just an internal 
moral, ethical dilemma that I have to sort out for myself. And when I just started competing, I never thought I would have to make the decisions that I'm faced with now. And for you, if you're a new competitor or a pro or anyone out there, ultimately, these are all decisions we have to make for ourselves. You have to really be educated about this. There's there's a lot of information out there online, but there's a lot of bad information. Like I was just talking with a, a friend who's a coach and we were joking about the trend of trend for women, which is ridiculous, especially for, cause I'll even hear horror stories sometimes of amateur bikini competitors taking that. And it's a very aggressive PED. It's also the most masculinizing. So there's a lot of women that I've seen and I've come into contact with that have been harmed by lack of information or just um, not thinking long-term, I guess. And so the the things that I've had to think through this season, it's been hard on me in that way too. And ultimately my lines in the sand are that I want to maintain my femininity and I do not want to do anything that's going to damage my long-term health. And so however that may look, let me turn off my computer monitor. You know, that's something I'm going to kind of have to figure out for myself. So with all that said, let's uh, let's talk about how we do have an amazing offseason. And while I'm not an Olympian and I've not placed top five at a pro show, I'm very proud with the look I've brought and the improvements I've made. And every single year I've competed for the last six years, I've made big, noticeable improvements. And how have I done that? I'm very strategic. I'm not the, the most athletic, most inclined to pack on muscle. I'm longer. I'm leaner. That's not my my structure. So the things you have to think about and ultimately how to have an amazing off season are you have to examine every single thing that you're doing and ensure that you can level up and improve everything that you're doing by at least 1%. And some of these areas you can probably improve by a lot more than 1%, but every single thing that you're doing has to get better over time. So there's this there's this Japanese concept of Kaizen, which is essentially continuous improvement. And so that's how I want you to approach your bodybuilding. Everything you're doing, every aspect of competing, you should constantly be striving to get better at. And at first, you might hear what pros do or Olympians do and think, wow, that's so extreme. But hey, if you continue to push yourself, you continue to increase your willpower, your discipline, focus your life on bodybuilding, you'll get there. So let's kind of go through these different aspects and just touch on them a little bit. So the first one is food. And the main thing I see, particularly with bikini competitors, particularly with amateur competitors, but even with pros too, is that we're very strict in our preps with our food. But then in our off season, we might let ourselves eat a little bit like a monster. And and I'm using that term facetiously. But what I mean by that is not having a structured meal plan, not having something structured to follow and not sticking with it. So even if you have something to follow, if you are not following it, if you're not being consistent with your food, you are severely handicapping yourself and you are not going to be making the results you potentially could make. When it comes to bodybuilding, food, training, and our recovery are the three most important things. Those are the cake. Everything else is the icing on the cake. So keep that in mind. So your food, you need to be structured with that. You want to be eating primarily whole foods. If you need to gain weight, you've got to be eating at a minimum maintenance calories or ideally a slight surplus. And as a female, we should not or ideally do not want to be gaining the same amount of body fat or weight that men are. We have more body fat, we store body fat more easily, and we do not put on as much muscle, even even if we're enhanced, even if we're taking PEDs. 
So you have to try to keep your food choices clean, minimize things like packaged foods, processed food, sugar that are just going to create inflammation and really focus up on your diet. So I think we've captured that pretty well. Let's talk about training. Your training needs to be consistent, progressive, and really focused on your areas of improvement. And the the biggest thing I would see, or I, I say that I do see with, especially clients, especially with amateur competitors, and even with pros too, is that training, if your technique is not really on point, if you don't really understand how to target certain muscle groups, you are also not going to improve that much. You're not going to make that much gains. If you're hip flexors are so tight that they're constantly taking over for your glutes in your lower body days. Your glutes will not grow that well. If your traps are overly active and developed and they are taking over on every single one of your shoulder days and your back days, guess what? You are going to continue to grow your traps and you are going to lack the development that you're seeking for your shoulders and your back. So your training is really important. And if you don't have one, Maybe consider trying to budget for a personal trainer. That's huge. Most of us pro girls, many of us pro girls have trainers. Like that is such a key factor to not only ensure that your intensity is there, but also that you're targeting the right muscle groups. You're building that mind-muscle connection. That is huge. Water. That's another one too. Are you logging your water? Are you drinking your water in off-season too? So prep is not the only time you need to be focused. If you want to improve, you need to treat your off-season like your prep. And that doesn't mean your whole life has to revolve around this, but it does mean that you really need to develop these consistent habits that ultimately just become your lifestyle. So with that said, let me take a quick little sip of my Stanley while I'm thinking about it. And water is pretty simple. So set a benchmark, you know, gallon a day is probably pretty reasonable, maybe a little more, definitely a little more if you are taking PEDs. Um, Let's touch on recovery. So recovery is another important area that would include things like rest, sleep, body work, making sure that your muscles are supple, they can fully contract and relax. That would also involve things like stretching, maybe some yoga. I highly, highly encourage you to develop regular habits with all of these. And one of my personal secrets to all of this is I've implemented all of these regularly for years. So I've seen a really great chiropractor for at least the last probably five years. I'm tall, I had bad posture growing up. And when I became a trainer almost a decade ago, I recognized how bad my posture was. And he's really helped me, you know, hold my neck back, get my shoulders back. And and I really was started working on that with training and stretching. But chiropractic is huge too. If that's something that you think you would benefit from, I highly encourage you to try it. Find a good one though. I think uh, there's, there's quite a variety of both good and bad chiropractors out there, just like anything. And then the other things too, deep tissue massage soft tissue work like blading, scraping, cupping, all of those things that are going to help your muscles stay supple, contract and relax fully, remove imbalances. And one thing that has been incredible for me this off season that was really pointed out to me that was needed because of my stuck lat is body work. I'm going in once to twice a week, most weeks, twice a week, and just really getting (laughs) beat up, so to speak, and getting a lot of knots, adhesions, imbalances really worked out all over my body. And it's been really amazing. Cyrus, the guy that I'm working with, I don't think he has Instagram or anything. So if he does have any type of social media page for those of you in SoCal, I will share that. But it's been awesome. And I feel like my physique is already looking rounder, more bubbly. I'm noticing less imbalances. My workouts are better. It's just been really, really great. So all of those things are things you need to do regularly. And obviously competing is not 
a cheap sport. So all these things, try to factor them into your budget, figure out what you can do. Something like a massage, maybe you can only do it once a month, but hey, having that once a month session will be so much better than not doing it all or doing it once every several months. So just really, really try to create that regularity and that consistency. Think of all of these things that you're doing as variables, really approach it with the mind of a scientist and just think about being able to adjust the dials on things. So as you develop consistency and regularity with all of your habits and you're moving forward in your in your bodybuilding or your competition career, you can start to adjust these variables if you have that consistency developed. So whatever that is for you, you know, with your stretching, your deep tissue massage, like for example, if you can't afford deep tissue massage, hey, maybe go really all in on stretching and yoga. That will be a way to help keep yourself mobile and flexible. <clears throat> and that's actually a separate topic, I guess, but somewhat related was mobility too. So mobility is a huge, huge piece of having good progress, good physique results. And that's where stretching yoga are really huge. If you have past injuries, you need to rehab them. You need to be going to physical therapy and making sure it's not affecting you and not just sweeping it under the rug. Bodybuilding, everything shows up on our physique. All the, all the history, all this, you know, scar tissue and balances, it all shows up on our physique. The judges can see it. So you guys need to get all these things worked on. And so the off season is a really great time to develop these habits if you don't have them. The next topic that I really, really encourage you to work on in your off season is posing. And whether you are a brand new competitor, a seasoned competitor, a pro, an Olympian, anyone, I highly encourage you to pose in your off season and definitely make some time to do it in a bikini. Doing it in a bikini will let you know where you truly stand. So, you know, make sure you're taking your check-in photos too regularly in a bikini as well. Don't hide from yourself. You're going to not develop as good habits if you're kind of ignoring or sweeping under the rug what's going on. Our food choices, our cardio choices, our training choices do have an effect and it shows up on your body. So don't forget that. And doing that posing is, is going to be a great time where you can really focus on it in a way where there's no pressure. Like for me, I really feel like I dove in and got good at posing after my first year as a pro because Tarek literally told me at one of the shows, as my feedback, he said, Laura, you look like a runway model. You look like Laura, who just escaped from the Paris runway, but you need to learn to pose like one. And so while I was somewhat flattered that he said that about me, oh, I look like a French model. Thank you. I was also, you know, a little hurt because some of my friends and pros around me were standing there shaking their heads. Like they agreed with him 100%. And I just realized, wow, Laura, your posing is really not up to snuff. You need to work on this at the pro level. This matters so much more now. You really have to dive in. And so that off season, I started working on it so much. I dove in in that prep in 2022. I did so many posing lessons. I really learned. I really studied. I learned my body. I built a posing studio in my house. And, and that was the year where I was really, really proud of my posing. And that year, he he basically told me, you're moving up. This is what I've been wanting to see from you. And I just felt so gratified. So know that the off season is a time where you can really work on your posing. And even for myself, I've taken a little bit of time off of it just with schedule changes and things. And I'm realizing Ooh, I need to get back into it. There are changes coming too to the bikini division. So if you've been competing for a while, like myself, they're shortening up our routines. And that's whether you're a pro and especially at the amateur level, they are more and more 
concerned at the at the local shows when they're big that you are tight with your transitions. You are not doing every single transition in the book and you're keeping your routine tight, concise, and then off the stage. So practicing that posing in the off season is going to take a lot of the pressure off in the prep. You're going to really get to play around with transitions, new moves, new angles if you need to switch a side. So that was one thing too I did that year in 2021. I went from my left side to my right side. And as someone who's right-handed, and this is a this is a little posing tip for any of you too, you're probably going to look more muscular and better on your dominant side of your body. So whichever hand you you use primarily left-handed, right-handed, you are probably going to look the best on your dominant side because you've been favoring that side of your body your entire life. So that's not a one and done rule for everyone, but just in general, and especially someone like myself, who's, you know, longer, leaner, I need to look fuller. I need to look as full as possible right now. That was really helpful for me. And it gave me the time to get down a new side that I wasn't used to just yet. So now, and the cool thing too, is now I can do both. Like I can do both very comfortably, which is excellent. And it's great for when I teach my clients, it's great to help me prevent imbalances too, because I can, when I practice, I can hit both. I can play around with different transitions and things that you couldn't do if you wouldn't know, if you didn't know how to hit a front pose on both sides. So that's another great one. And then the last area that you should focus on to really have an amazing off season and just absolutely crush it is your supplementation. And I'm talking about supplements from your local supplement store, as well as any PEDS. So this is an area you need to dial it in. And at a minimum, whether we are natural or enhanced, you should be taking a good set of vitamins, ideally a probiotic, and things that are going to get get you healthy. As part of this, and just in general, you need to do blood work. Again, whether you are natural or enhanced, you need to do blood work. That is so, so important after a prep. You need to know that your hormones are good, your thyroid is good, you have no nutritional deficiencies, no surprises, and that your body is going to get rebalanced and 100% healthy so that you can push really hard. And when prep time comes, you know that you are absolutely good to go. So don't forget to do your blood work. If you have more questions, message me. I have a list of what I typically screen for, for both female and male clients. So I'm happy to share that. Just hit me up. And so as far as supplementation, you know, even, even if you're say an enhanced athlete, basic things like creatine are definitely going to help you. And that's something natural athletes should absolutely be taking. So really consider the supplements that you're taking. Uh, if you feel like you've gained a little too much weight, maybe consider reintroducing a fat burner. That could be something as simple as L-carnitine, which is a non-stimulant fat burner, or it could be something like a caffeinated fat burner. Or if you are enhanced and you want to do like a small cutting phase in a long off season, there's a lot of different things you could go there. And that's that's not really what this episode is for. That will be a separate episode that's, you know, really explained in a nice thought out scientific way, but just acknowledging that that's part of bodybuilding. So, so the supplementation too is something you need to be consistent with. You need to be smart about, and you need to really think about what, what you're designing as far as, as your routine. And again, that applies for both natural and enhanced athletes. You need to be consistent. You need to be consistent with what you're taking and really think about what's going to optimize your results. So creatine, I like as a basic for everyone, vitamins, great for everyone, probiotics, digestive enzymes, so key. If you're having gut issues, that's another topic too. If you're having gut issues, it is imperative that you get that handled. If you're having gut issues, your off season is not going to be a productive muscle building phase because you are not absorbing the nutrients from your food. So if you had a prep and I, I just have one, one or two clients right now that are going through this currently, 
it's imperative that you get that handled. And then once that is handled, then you can almost consider your off season starting. So that's a big piece of it too. I am going to go into a lot more detail on PEDs in a future episode. And I'm looking at my notes on the wall here. So that will be a future episode. There will be an episode on mental health or what to do when you're not okay. And that's something where I will open up a little bit more about my own traumas and strategies and all that. At this point, I feel like I've come through a lot of a lot of different, you know, very extreme scenarios in my life that I've never really talked about and that have made me who I am. And I'm I'm very proud of it in some ways because I think my best qualities also come from that, but also some of my worst tendencies too. But I've really tried to create a great life for myself and I recognized years and years ago that I needed to fully address and heal from what I experienced. So that will be an episode. I'll do one on can tall competitors compete and short answer is yes and no. So stay tuned more on that. And then one will be on peak week. So what is a peak week? What goes into that? What that could look like? Um, Short answer, every single peak week is different, but I will go into more detail. And then there are going to be a lot of guests. And like I said, there is a new permanent location, some new surprises coming. So this is just one of many new episodes to come. And I appreciate you, the listener. If you are a longtime listener, my girl, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. It's been about what, five years, five or so years, five and a half years since the first episode. So I appreciate you. I see you. And if you're new here, no worries. I love you too. And I just can't wait to share more content. Go follow me on YouTube, search Laura Morche. Follow me on Instagram, Laura underscore IFBB pro. Follow the podcast on Instagram, bikini underscore things. Subscribe, rate, review, give it five stars, and I will catch you all in the next episode. (laughs) 